All right, all right. Welcome to Election Profit Makers, your guide to winning and losing money on current events of all shapes and sizes. I'm Kid Midas, the original Wave Rider, one of the co-hosts of this audio production, streaming coast to coast. The host with the most. Don't mean to boast, but it's time to spread some jam on this buttered toast. I'm joined by my co-conspirators, Starly. Hi, Starly. Hi. And also, way down south in the old North State, where the swamp gas blows and the basketball's great. I'm talking about North Carolina's number one resident, the sage of predicted, the Piedmont pontificator, the one and only Long John Silver. John, how you doing there, buddy? Hey, I'm great. All right. How are you guys doing? You guys look great. Stoked to be here. Still reeling in the aftermath of Elon Musk's triumphant tenure as host of Saturday Night Live. I totally neglected to watch Elon Musk as host of Saturday Night Live, so all I know about it is what I read on Twitter, the famous social media platform. What did Twitter say? Twitter was so here's here's my here's here's what I know about Elon Musk hosting Saturday Night Live as gleaned exclusively from Twitter. That's a bit we do. It's a running bit us reviewing cultural events via Twitter. So first of all, anticipation was sky high, like one of those SpaceX rockets. People could not wait to see what Elon Musk was going to do. First of all, they decided to stream it live internationally for free for the first time ever. Then Elon Musk came out and did an opening monologue as per custom. His mom came out because I think it was because Mother's Day. Elon Musk also said he has Asperger's. He said he was the first ever host of Saturday Night Live to have Asperger's. And then people on Twitter said, actually, Dan Aykroyd has Asperger's, and he's hosted Saturday Night Live. So technically, you're incorrect, Mr. Musk. Mm -hmm. Then he did a skit where he was one of the Mario brothers. People went bananas mm -hmm. for that. Then he did something on Weekend Update about Doge Doge Dogecoin. Dogecoin. Dogecoin, right. This new, um, I guess it's a satirical cryptocurrency. Imagine if Borat <laughs> was money. That's what Dogecoin is. Yeah. And then Dogecoin, because all the Dogecoin people, the people who are holding Dogecoin, like for God knows what reason, the Kenosha kid, DJ Corey Dome, has become a fan of Dogecoin. I've tried to really? I've tried to save my wayward son, but all I can say in the end is carry on my wayward son. All the Dogecoin people were excited that Elon Musk was going to boost their shares to the moon, as they say. This is a, a common recurring phrase in the world of fake money mm -hmm. and, and weird stocks. And then apparently Dogecoin lost 30% of its value when Elon Musk called it a joke on Saturday Night Live. I think he called it a racket. He called it a hustle. They said, is this a hustle? Mm. And he said, yeah, it's a hustle. And then people and sold. Then it plunged. <laughs> Probably because some people across the world were like, wait a minute, I'm not a billionaire who can afford to have fun like this. This is actually real money. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, he was one of the Mario brothers. He was a cryptocurrency expert on Weekend Update. And Miley Cyrus was a musical guest. I didn't hear anything about that. And there was a skit called Gen Z Hospital, which I assume was about, I guess, how Gen Z are a bunch of wimpy babies, I would assume. But no Andrew Yang cameo. Mm -hmm. I was sure that Andrew Yang was going to pop up. And that didn't happen. And also, I don't think Elon Musk's wife, Grimes, showed up. Just his mom. And I think maybe other others moms. Oh, were there other moms? My, my Twitter feed did not did not expound on the presence of other mothers. 
Anyway, we celebrate Elon Musk. We thank him for showing that he's not only an innovator, a visionary, he's also a terrific entertainer and comedian. Well, wait, but what was the general take? Was the general take that he did, he exceeded expectations? Did people like it? I had a hard time, and I've done no research about this other than looking at my Twitter feed that night as it was happening. And my deep suspicion was the Elon Musk fans thought he was doing great, and the people who don't like Elon Musk thought he was falling flat on his face. And I would assume... It's somewhere in the middle. Right? I mean, isn't it always? I will take the centrist take. I'm sure he did fine. Like, he's surrounded by comedy professionals. They know what they're doing. He did fine. He did fine. I did go on YouTube, like, the next day and watch a couple of the sketches. And I didn't think it was terrible. I saw him in Uli, in the Uli sketch, because my friend Chloe plays a character named Uli. What's Uli? It's Chloe's character. It's really funny. Like an Icelandic television show. And he actually looked just like the guy from Sprockets in that sketch. That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. John got closest, I feel like, with his prediction because the character that Elon Musk played in the Uli sketch was very Sprocket adjacent. I thought so too, Starley, but I, but I don't know if anyone else noticed it or said it, and I don't know if it was just in my brain. I'm glad you noticed it too, but it was really close. Yeah, it was It yeah. was, It was. was Sprockets. I think if people didn't notice it, it's because they're so young that they don't remember Sprockets. Oh, right. Because that was a long time ago. 1989, a number, another summer. Get down, sound of the funky drummer. Public Enemy. And that was a proper character he did, and I, I, I thought he did do, I thought he did it fine. Starley's, the tables have turned. I think Elon Musk has a new fan in the election <laughs> profit maker's morning zoo. To the moon. Starley is going to be like, I'll go to Mars with you, Elon Musk. <laughs> that sounds fun. I still object to him, them letting him do it. I think you don't have to give billionaires everything. And I think the line has to be drawn. And I think I think what he could have done is, if, if, if Elon Musk being on a show is going to garner the kind of ratings that this garnered, then he could have done it he could have figured out a way to lend that to a cause that needs it instead of Saturday Night Live, who, like, is doing, which is doing fine. <laughs> I'm going to leverage my celebrity to bring attention to a cause that really needs some signal boosting, and that is Saturday Night Live. <laughs> because, I, well, you know what? He probably thought, like, yeah, it's an institution under attack from the woke mob. He probably thinks of Saturday Night Live as like an endangered species, like the the woolly-backed salamander of southern Tahiti, right? You know what I mean? He's like, I'm going to save this thing because it's under assault. I watched a video from Donald Trump Jr., who's the son of the 45th president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump Jr. is all over this terrific app called Rumble, which I think is just TikTok for cokeheads but he he had a whole video where he where he breathlessly literally breathlessly i can't watch him for too long because he's always out of breath and it's so difficult to process but he was like (laughs) why is the woke mob coming for elon musk this is this guy is an entrepreneur he wants to fly us to mars and the pc mob is upset. I don't even know what his politics are, if he's a Democrat or a Republican. It's just crazy how the cancel culture's out of control. 
Pete Davidson said the same thing. Pete Davidson said he didn't understand why people were so upset about him being on, about him hosting, and he said he's just a guy who wants to send us to space and <laughs> um, build cool <laughs> things. All you have to do is tell people you want them to live on Mars and they'll let you get away with anything. Good God. Imagine if Saddam Hussein had said, oh, and one other thing I want, after we destroy the Zionists and the infidels, is we're all going to live on Mars. <laughs> then Project for a New American Century completely shuts down. Paul Wolfowitz is like, well, he wants us to live on Mars. Can't be all that bad. Trump should try it. Oh, I'm sure Trump supports Elon Musk, right? It's interesting. Here's a pivot. Facebook, this new thing that happened with Facebook, has got me thinking about Trump's pathology and how he actually doesn't know how to say the thing that he needs to say to help himself. Explain the Facebook thing. The Facebook Supreme Court met, like, its version of— its, yeah, The oversight board. Is yeah, the, which yeah, functions the, like this, a Supreme Court. Right. And they actually have oversightboard.com. Ooh, I know that stings, John. Yeah, it does. The oversight board met and they said that Facebook was justified in banning Trump, but they punted their verdict back to Facebook to decide what to do with Trump. They gave Zuckerberg six months. They said, you can't ban him in perpetuity. As soon as the oversight board issued its um, verdict— Trump then sent an email being like, the election was rigged, I'm still president, fraudulent ballots, <laughs> I didn't cause any insurrection. The classic thing you're supposed to do is like put on the suit, pretend, you have to pretend that you changed so you can get what you want. And then you have to figure out the thing that makes that, um, is there a trigger that shows that they're the same person all along, but he doesn't need anything. His name needs to be said. He will always double down and always do the wrong thing 100% of the time. But it used to be that the wrong thing, he had an instinct where the wrong thing, because he was allowed to talk to people through social media, the wrong thing is what got people excited. Like the basest things that he was saying is what actually worked because then people got that part of them activated inside of themselves. But now he can't be reaching those people well, he can reach him on his new web blog. Can he do a podcast? Is he allowed to do a podcast? <laughs> He's been banned from the podcast oversight committee. He should do that Rumble thing like his son. Is he not banned from Rumble? Oh, no. Rumbles are, they're bad, bad, bad boys. <laughs> oh, speaking of Rumble, pivot. I see your pivot, Starley, and I raise you one pivot. Speaking of Rumble, Link Ray, the amazing North Carolina-born guitarist, hit instrumental Rumble, was featured surprisingly and delightfully in the pedal movie. And thanks to everyone who joined our Patreon watch party for, for when I watched and provided live commentary on the two-hour and 20-minute long pedal movie. I recorded the audio, so I'll release that sometime later this week for Patreon listeners who want to sync up the movie and listen to my informed and sometimes shocked commentary about that exhaustive and exhausting documentary about Stompbox effects pedals. But thanks to those who joined. That was my pivot. I'm done. John, what do you want to talk about? What, what about that uh, Chinese rocket? Keeping the attention focused on space, there was a Chinese rocket that landed. It was Saturday night. I, get, I guess they launched a rocket. It was like a 108-foot-long rocket, 40,000 pounds, back at the end of April to put a piece of their space station into orbit. And then the, the rocket came back down Saturday night and crashed near the Maldives into the Indian Ocean. And then... 
I saw, I saw that NASA came out and, you know, was very critical of the Chinese space agency, saying that that was reckless to have done that, that that's not how things are done. But do you guys remember Space Lab? Skylab, bro, Skylab. Skylab, Skylab, yeah. I think it was 1979. It's one of my first memories. I think I was in second grade and I thought, what if Skylab fucking falls on me out here on the playground? It was exciting when Skylab was falling, and we had no idea where Skylab was going to go. Tell Starly what Skylab is. Was that only was that North Carolina? <laughs> it was a North Carolina satellite. So Skylab was NASA's very first space station. They put it up in the early seventies, I think nineteen seventy two, and it. Um, I think they used it for two or three years, and then it sort of fell into. Disrepair. They wanted the space shuttle, because they were developing the space shuttle, they wanted the space shuttle ultimately to go up and boost it into higher orbit, but the space shuttle kept being delayed. So around 1979, it it was getting lower and lower in orbit, and they're like, this thing's coming, this thing is going to fall apart and re-enter the atmosphere. It's like, Skylab coming. Yeah, Skylab is falling, <laughs> and we don't know where it's going to go. It ended up crashing in, in parts of Australia. Nobody got hurt, but it was really exciting. And here we are giving the Chinese a rough time. They're about at that same point in their space program, probably. They're at the point in their space program where things are going to fall out of the sky and everyone's going to freak out. But they'll be fine. I can't wait till there's a Chinese flag on the moon. That's going to make people so mad. <laughs> That's why we got to get to Mars. We got to get that... We got to get that American flag on Mars before anyone else can get there. Enjoy the the amazing amount of pleasures to be had from living on Mars for Pete's sake. Oh, I'll say it again for the record. No human foot will ever touch the surface of Mars. Here is my rock upon which I stand. I feel like you're now you've got less people who are going to be on your side than ever. Mhm. After his triumphant hosting gig. Well, there's that, and there's the fact that the space helicopter that we sent to Mars is flying around, and they said they could actually hear the whirring of blades in the faint Mars atmosphere, which is incredible. I never thought about that. I always thought that in space, no one could hear you scream. But apparently, on Mars, you can hear stuff. So it's like L.A. And I was thinking about it this weekend, actually, Starly. I was thinking about it because, you know, I took Don Jr.'s rumble to heart. I was like, why do I hate Elon Musk. Why does it bother me that Elon Musk is going to host Saturday Night Live? And I would remind everyone, I used to be an Elon Musk fan. It is true. A few years ago, Werner Herzog, look at John. Yeah, that got your attention, didn't it? Hmm. A few years ago, Werner Herzog made a very disappointing documentary about the internet and how it's affected our lives. It was a real mishmash, but not in the Herzog way where the mishmash becomes illuminating. It just felt kind of like a mess. But one of the people that Herzog interviews is Elon Musk in his offices at Tesla or SpaceX or wherever he was. And he talks to Elon Musk and Elon Musk is like, yeah, I've just never felt right. I have constant screaming nightmares. I just want to go live on Mars. And I was like, all right, I like this guy. He's building electric cars. That's nice. He's building rocket ships. I'm, I'm actually agnostic on the virtues of rocket ships. I came out of the movie thinking, oh, Elon Musk is a pretty cool guy. Person I saw the movie with did not tarry in correcting my um, opinion of Elon Musk. Then I learned more about how he's just like one of these fake entrepreneurs. He grew up surrounded. His parents owned a fucking emerald mine in apartheid South Africa. You know, this is not a rags yeah. to riches kind of guy. And then all the, um, the, <laughs> the kids stuck in the cave. 
Did Elon Musk fuck that up very much? Yeah. It's Twitter that is why people don't like that. That was incredible. Yeah. But that wasn't just Twitter. The, the, the kids in the mind stuff was beyond Twitter. He went there. He was like, I'm going to build, I built a special submarine. This will do it. The diver he was like. He called the diver <laughs> a pedophile. He called the diver a pedophile. Like it wasn't just him getting in a Twitter battle. It was a term of endearment. It showed his ego. I mean, shocker, a billionaire has an ego, but it showed something about his character, the stuff with the kids in the mine. There's that, and then another thing that I think it's very revealing of his character, and this is probably why most people who don't like him don't like him, is his constant tut-tutting of COVID and talking about, like, COVID will... I've looked at the numbers. COVID will be gone in, in three weeks. We'll be out of this by minute. It's like, can we just for once in our lives have a billionaire not fucking talk out of their ass about every little thing? He did sort of apologize for that on SNL. He said... Yeah, I didn't believe in the whole mask thing, but I do now, so. Well, I don't understand. Was the SNL like an interview of Elon <laughs> Musk? I don't, like the way you're, like I don't understand how, why was Elon Musk, was this in his monologue he said that, or? It may have been in his monologue, or I think they sort of interviewed him. They interviewed him about Dogecoin on Weekend Update. Jesus Christ. That doesn't happen. I've never seen a, like Tom Hanks doesn't go on SNL and do an interview about Castaway. Like you just, they play characters. We have to go back and watch Steve Forbes when Steve Forbes hosted Saturday Night Live, one of the only other non-entertainers to ever host it and see if he ever got interviewed about the flat tax. <laughs> there was a Wild West sketch. Wait, talking about the Wild Wild West, the old TV show? Yeah, yeah. And he was, they were putting together a posse to take on these bad guys. And they're like, okay, we're going to go in and we're going to ride over this hill and we're going to attack them. And he said, I've got a better idea. I think we should dig a tunnel under the field and try to yeah. attack. Yeah. Self-aware, very endearing. Yeah, yeah. This fucking guy is getting away with murder. They did a good job of making him, you know, less threatening, just like they did with Trump. It's uh, reputation washing. What do they call that? Not whitewashing. Laundering, yeah. Reputation laundering. I'm sure Elon Musk and his PR team came in with a list of topics that they wanted help laundering. And Saturday Night Live was like, all right, we'll make fun of gentle fun of you for talking about how you invented tunnels. We'll make gentle fun of you for poo-pooing COVID and saying scientists were dumb. And, and we'll make gentle fun of you. Did they do anything about apartheid, growing up in apartheid? Mm, yeah, they did. They did a big thing on that. No, they did not. And the, the, did they do anything about the labor practices and anti-union stuff? Mm. I don't think so. I had this. I had this fantasy. This is gonna make me sound so naive. I have this fantasy that all the because everyone, everyone at Thirty Rock is in some kind of union. Whether you're the camera ops, the makeup and hair, the performers, the musicians, they're all in unions. And I had this fantasy that because Elon Musk was a union buster at his Tesla plants, that the screen would just go dark because all the union members at Thirty Rock would walk out and protest. But it sounds like that didn't happen. My fantasy didn't happen. He's not even. Is he even known? Hasn't the Amazon union busting kind of overshadowed Elon Musk's union busting? Like, he's not yeah. known— again, he's getting away with murder. But SNL gets rewarded with probably amazing ratings, I guess. I'm sure it was more watched than— Than mayor of Easttown? I'm trying to solve this murder with my vape pen, and all anyone can talk about is Elon Musk. I'm mayor of Easttown. But there was a mayor of Easttown sketch. No! What?! Yeah. Oh. Definitely. Oh. Wait a minute. What's East Town? Kate Winslet HBO show. Oh, God. I just started Search Party. That's good. Now I got to watch something else? 
I have like 400 episodes of Search Party that I have to watch because one of my co-hosts is the writer. So You don't have to watch Mayor of Easttown. You don't have to watch Mayor of Easttown. Mm. The Bureau has ruined me for everything. I can't watch dramas after I've watched The Bureau for the second time. That's what I feel about Elon Musk. I, once I watch, I'm saving watching him because once I watch him, he's going to ruin comedy for me for every of all time. You'll never achieve those heights again when he's like, I'm a Mario. Hey, I'm going to go live on a Mars with a big tunnel, make a pizza pie. They should have called it Mars Marzio. <laughs> that was good. Thank you. Is it too late to do a punch up? Let's keep pivoting. Let's let's see if we can get six pivots in this episode. We've got one down. Uh, speaking of rocket ships, airplanes are like rockets. Did you hear what Caitlyn Jenner said about her airplane hangar? So for those of you in the know, California is hurtling towards a recall election. If you're like me, you have invested on predictit.org and the market will Gavin Newsom be recalled in 2021. I think that's a very safe no bet. And sure enough, my 83 and dollar investment is up $5. Caitlyn Jenner is the most high-profile person gunning for the throne. Caitlyn Jenner had an interview uh, where she said, (laughs) she was talking about how everyone's leaving California and that she was hanging out with one of her friends who shares an airplane hangar with her for private jets. And and her friend said he was tired of stepping over homeless people, so he's leaving New York. LA, LA. LA, LA, right. So this didn't go as quite as smoothly as Caitlyn Jenner thought. So lo and behold, I get an email from the Jenner campaign because I'm signed up for something called conservativeintel.com. <laughs> so I'm getting all kinds of wonderful emails. Subject line, <laughs> I don't want to leave California. Dear friend, I love California. This state has done so much for me over the years, which is why I know that California is worth fighting for. I was recently interviewed by Sean Hannity, and to be honest, I didn't know what reaction I was going to get from the American people. Now, here comes a classic Elon Musk bit of self-mythologizing. As a disruptor, I'm used to breaking the status quo and facing backlash from the media. But to my surprise, I was actually met with words of kindness and support in response to sharing my story and my purposes for running for governor of California. And then we get a sample of all the kind words she heard from people, (laughs) including (laughs) Grover Norquist, president of the Club for Growth. There's hope for California. When I am, and then he quotes Caitlyn Jenner talking about tax policy. Uh, Tommy Laren, I'm impressed with Caitlyn Jenner and her her argument for freedom. I like that pronunciation. (laughs) Tommy. Yeah, I know these people. I know these people. That's not how she says her name. Wait, but what's her real name? I want to give respect. Tommy. It's Tommy Laren? It is? You thought it was Tommy? Yeah, so it's Tommy. It's because you have Comey, because you always are thinking about James Comey. And that's why you turn every name into Mm -hmm. a a variation on James Comey. Mm -hmm. You have all of his books. And you support what he did. It's Tommy. I'll read it again. I'm impressed with with Caitlyn Jenner and her and her American free. Oh, this, see, the problem is I can't read these tweets because it's actually presented within the body of the email as an animated GIF, and it's just cycling through these same four right wing pundits, <laughs> tweeting at, at tweeting at Caitlyn Jenner, and then she's and then her spin on this <laughs> is wow, Americans really showed me a lot of kindness and support. Uh, And then she goes on to talk about Gavin Newsom, and then she asks for money. Thank you, and let's save California. She's not going to be the fucking governor of California. I'm holding this position, the one position I'm still making money on, damn it. The only market that features her actual name 
is who will be the governor on December 31st. Gavin Newsom at 88 cents, Caitlyn Jenner down one to six cents. Hmm. And I just don't, I just don't think Caitlyn Jenner is going to beat Gavin Newsom in a recall election. That's a long time to wait for a very small return. So let's talk about some other mayors. Let's, let's hit pivot number three here. I mean, fuck, I keep, God damn it. I keep associating the governor of California with the mayor of New York. Why is that? I've done that more than once on these, on these episodes. What's that all about? Because you don't associate the mayor of California with the a mayor of Los Angeles with the mayor of New no, York. No, I, n- I never, the- I never think about the mayor of Los Angeles. I did went to a protest at his house once this past summer, but I haven't thought about him ever since. That was a nice day, probably. Andrew Yang did not show up on Saturday Night Live, but he does continue to lead in the polls in the New York mayoral race. Um, but the Eric Adams actually had a had a really good week this week um, on Predicted. He, he's moved up. Did, do you guys know much about Eric Adams? Just that he's, he's a former Republican and that like Yang, he has come out hard against all the um, defund the police ACAB rhetoric. Did you know that he what, used to be a cop? Yeah, yeah. He was a cop for 22 years. Now that you've had Scott Stringer fade after these allegations came out, I think uh, Stringer traded up to like eight cents yesterday. But since those allegations came out a few weeks ago, he hasn't really been above four or five cents. I read up on this. This is this feels. I I don't know if the allegations are true, but it it I would say it feels like a lot of organizations dumped Scott Stringer pretty quick. Yes. When they, dump, when they dumped him so quickly, I thought, uh-oh, the dam just broke. There's going to be a lot of stuff. It felt like that because it happened so quickly. Maybe they want to get ahead of it. But there wasn't. But then there wasn't. There was this, the allegations from Gene Kim from 20 years ago, and that's it. I mean, I don't, I mean, I kind of just feel like he's done. I heard him on the Brian Lehrer show a week or two ago, and he just sounded completely defeated. I can't see him staying in the race. He insists he's going to stay in, but I feel like it's now between— But I would say on the Brian Lehrer show, he didn't sound like a man who was about to drop out. He didn't sound—he sounded who was in such shock by what was hap- by what was happening. I mean, there was a part in the interview where he, like, gives a pep talk to the city that sounds like he's giving a pep talk to himself. <laughs> right. The first debate is this Thursday. That will be very clarifying. Right. It will be. And, and, and his—Scott Stringer's loss has been Eric— Adams gain. Eric Adams went from 18 cents all the way up to, he's at 34 cents right now, just in the last five days. So this debate will be, will be big. But will it be clarifying? Because if it's like, if we're going into it by saying, no matter what Scott Stringer says, doesn't matter because of the allegations. Normally a debate would be clarifying because whoever does bet, performs best, could move the needle in some way. It doesn't sound like it's possible to move the needle in this scenario because it's what Scott Stringer has against him right now is not anything that's going to be determined by a debate. Let's say let's say Andrew Yang comes out and is really bad. No, it doesn't. But I'm saying in this scenario, he's very clear with what he is saying. He's saying it didn't happen. She wasn't an intern. He wants her to be able to tell her story. He wants her to be able to speak out. He wants women to be able to speak out. But he's not going to change... He's not going to suddenly say it happened or something like that. So I don't know what could be said. If, if, it, if, it, if it comes down to that, what could he say better on a debate that's going to change something? There's absolutely nothing he can say to get those endorsements back. 
but it's not necessarily up to who endorses whom. It, it, the voters ultimately decide. If Yang goes in there and just lays an egg and Eric Adams goes in there and is awful and um, Stringer gives a really believable speech about this, then maybe he's back in it. It's unlikely. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I just don't think in, when it comes to this area, the more you talk about it changes people. Like, he's already said it. I don't know if there's anything that can be done. You either are going to believe him or not. He could he could be have the best debate of his life. It won't change anything if people believe he harassed this woman. And so... I, it's not. It's just not a clarifying debate in that regard. I I disagree, and I want to make a second side bet with you, Starley. In addition to our fancy dinner bet, yeah. Scott Stringer is currently trading at five cents on predicted who will be the next mayor of New York City. My prediction is that on Thursday night, he will bump up to at least seven cents because of Andrew Yang doing poorly. Just because of something that happens during the debate, either Scott Stringer will give a compelling case for his innocence and somehow thread the needle between we need to believe women versus I didn't do this, uh, or Andrew Yang being like, wait, (laughs) what city is this again? Right. Or or Eric Adams, I don't know, coming across as too pro-cop or something. But Eric Adams is trying to have it both ways. I mean, he is an ex-cop, but he's also saying, I had this, you know— organization that I founded when I was a cop that, you know, was, he's both, he's all over the place, like every politician. You know, he said, I think we need to keep Rikers Island open. And then he said, I think we need to close it. He's all over the place. And Yang is pro-police. Yang said the last, he said, New York City can't afford to defund the police. I don't know if you read this, this article that um, Claire Malone just put out in, uh, New York Magazine. She sat down with Yang. <laughs> there were a couple funny things in there that. Um, God, I weep for my former home. What is an operator exactly? Because he, he certainly wants it known that he is one of them. Exactly. He says, if an operator met me, they could tell I'm an operator, and then if a business person met me, who they would also know I was an operator. He uses the term operator like it's a job description from Richard Scarry book. <laughs> I mean, that's the great thing about being a disruptor. If, if disruptor <laughs> is your master overall brand, then you can say any nonsense and people will be like, I don't understand. I guess that's because he's disrupting my mind. I thought the funniest thing in, in that article was Yang talking about how he had an inside to Albany because, because he was friends, friends with, with Chris Cuomo. <laughs> oh, Cuomo's rubbing his hands like, I hope they give it to Yang. I'm going to tear that city down to the foundation. This idiot thinks he's going to have an in because he... He's buddies with my brother on CNN. My favorite thing in the Andrew Yang article was when he said the first thing he's going to do once he's mayor is he's going to call all the elites who left New York City to move to Florida and ask what it would and ask what it would take to bring them back to New York City. That's going to be some. That's going to be a nice list of demands. <laughs> that's exactly what like New Yorkers who were relieved to all these people left during the pandemic. Like the best, the silver lining of the pandemic was that all these rich people that had ruined New York had left it, and then people finally got to have like, the real New York back. And his, if his platform is, I'm going to give those people everything they want in order to bring them back. Someone who would move to Florida, who would leave New York to move to Florida, they'll be the, his top priority. Well, he left New York to go to New Paltz during COVID. That'll probably be a zinger people will try to get him on in the debate. 
It won't. Because, again, he's never voted for mayor. He's a disruptor, Starly. Everything that seems disqualifying if you're a normal politician is just another another point in your favor if your brand is, I'm a disruptor and I don't play by the rules. It's why Trump could get away with fucking 20-plus sexual assault allegations bribing a porn star with campaign funds. It's because he's not a typical politician. He's only a disruptor because he wants to give people money, right? No, well, there's that. I mean, there's the deliberate, right, there's the policy disruption of universal basic income, and then there's the overall personality slash brand of disruption, which is I've never voted for mayor. I'm not really sure what this job entails. I want to be mayor of New York City, but when COVID hit, I went back up to New Paltz. But why isn't that just entitlement? I don't understand why how entitlement gets read as disruption. Because if you're a special, if you're a special type of guy and you have a special type of personality and you're weird, you can call yourself a disruptor. Was Cynthia Nixon a disruptor? No, because Cynthia Nixon was too earnest and too well-versed and too much the responsible liberal policy wonk who wants to make changes. And, you know, she was like, there's something ineffable about it because Cynthia Nixon, a celebrity, was running basically on the platform of, I'm actually smart and know what I'm talking about and have a bunch of ideas to, to make the state more progressive. Okay. Andrew Yang is running on, he's running on Dogecoin, like to the moon. Let's make, let's, I don't know, fuck it. Let's make New York City terrific. You know, running around having fun. The candidate who has the most fun usually wins. Like, this is Andrew. Andrew Yang's going to be the next mayor of New York. I can't believe it. And then this guy, and then his- I don't think Andrew Yang's going to be the next mayor. He's going to be the next mayor of New York, and the city is going to be run by this guy, Ronald Tusk, his Dick Cheney. Well, he's also going to hire Catherine- Garcia, right? The other candidate. He's calling her every week being like, I can't wait for you to work for me. I'm sure that doesn't irk her at all. God. I mean, that is, that is such a classic male politician move, too, to be like, she's smart. Right. She yeah, is smart. Right. I, I can't wait to have you on my team after I win because I have fun and nobody knows what to make of me. She likes that. Scott Stringer is also probably pretty happy because he's been waiting for this his whole life, like Hillary Clinton. And then Andrew Yang comes waltzing in. I mean, put aside the allegations. It's just like, did you see who directed Andrew Yang's campaign video, his, his big launch video? Darren Aronofsky. See, these people. It's incredible. Who's that? Darren Aronofsky is like a classic, dumb, smart director. He directed Mother. He made this eco-parable called Mother. He made Black Swan about ballerinas turning into each other. He made The Wrestler. He made David's favorite movie, Wrecking for a Dream. He made Wreck. Oh, oh, that, oh my God, that's him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Andrew Yang's just an idiot magnet. I can't believe yeah. it. <laughs> yep. Oh my God, the guy who made Requiem for a Dream made the campaign video for Andrew Yang. But it's not the one where he walks around playing like basketball on the street. Yeah, he's, he's doing York. everything in the street, man. Is that one the bodega one and the basketball one? Yeah, he goes to Coney Island and he. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Darren Aronofsky. That's a Darren Aronofsky joint. That is incredible. Yeah. I mean, it takes a disruptor to really capture a disruptor on film, you know? Is AOC a disruptor? No, because she is working within a political tradition. She was a waitress. Mm -hmm. She was a bartender. <laughs> How can she not be a disruptor? Yeah, Andrew Yang was like one step above that. He ran some dippy little testing company that he sold, and then he started this nonprofit, and he said he was going to create 100,000 jobs. He created like 100 jobs. This guy's a total fucking fraud. Everybody should read this article that Claire Malone wrote. It's the first time that I was like, oh, this guy really 
it's it's very shallow. His his obviously. Wait, did you think otherwise before this, John? No, but I really, after reading this, was not impressed. I don't think he's going to do well in the debates. We'll see. My final question about who's a disruptor is Bernie a disruptor? Bernie's an interesting case, Starley. Bernie is a very interesting case because, I mean, I would certainly the quote-unquote establishment considers Bernie a disruptor. Uh And I think a lot of his fans, he has the appeal of a disruptor, which is we are going to fuck this system up. We're about to make some big-ass changes. But in terms of, I mean, if I'm trying to imagine what it would have been like if, if we had found out that Bernie Sanders had never voted for Senate while running to be a senator. I think that would have been a little, a little jarring, whereas for Andrew Yang, it's kind of like, yeah, isn't that cool? I've never even voted for mayor and I want to be mayor. Like, how cool is that? But so are we, is it just our definition is... Dumb? Because to me, there's nothing more disruptive than saying, I want to turn America into a socialist country. Sure. I think when I think the way that I'm using disruptor and the way that Elon Musk and Andrew Yang probably think about it is it, it has certain associations, not with public service, but with private enterprise, with STEM stuff, with cryptocurrency, with startups, with Silicon Valley, with all, you know, building tunnels, electric cars, helicopters on Mars, you know, it's that, it's, it's, it, disruptor only really, when you talk about public figures as disruptors, that usually is coded as, oh, some kind of tech finance business type of thing. That is like the least disruptive thing you can do. Right. It's only disruptive in the sense that it's going to make, it's going to, it makes, it gives more and more power to fewer and fewer people. A very small number of people get obscenely rich and get to control most everything. Everything about what they're doing in the tech world, to me, feels like it is keeping going the systems of power that we've always had. Dale Carnegie, huge disruptor. Henry Ford, huge disruptor. The royal family, disrupting shit from day one. Those people (laughs) disrupt, disrupt, and more disrupt. Move fast and break things, man. Wasn't that Facebook's motto? Wasn't that Zuckerberg's motto? Move fast and break things. Coolest thing ever. Best back tattoo ever. So I think Andrew Yang, even though I have $100 bet on <laughs> Andrew Yang, not. I hope no one takes my advice anymore. Just do the opposite. Because I have $100 invested that Andrew Yang is not going to be the next mayor. And he is going to be the next mayor. He just is. Damn it all to heck. He is because no one else can be, right? Like, there's just—why, John, how is it possible he's not going to be? You think it's going to be Eric Adams? Sure, it could be Eric Adams. Yeah, sure. But I feel like you need to take a stand. I feel like you got to—we got to pull—you got to be like Mark Zuckerberg. You actually have to say—you have to to render a verdict on who it's going to be. Yeah, that's who it's going to be. Wait, what? You can't keep punting. I'm not—I mean, what do you mean punting? (laughs) I'm not punting. I've been saying here for that. That's who it's going to be. You guys are saying absolutely 100% it's going to be Andrew Yang, which is so boring. And so everyone's saying that. I'm the one taking a stand and saying it's going to be Eric Adams. Oh, we got the hot take over here. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be Eric Adams. Are you going to invest in him? Yeah, I have invested in him, and, I've, and I'm making a lot of money. Hell yeah, Eric Adams up in here. Okay. And I'm also going to buy, David, I'm also going to buy Scott Stringer and double my money. You know what? I'm going to buy Stringer too because I do think he'll do well. He's not going to go to seven cents. He's going to go to ten cents. What? I love 
this is the disruptor has logged on. You think Stringer's <laughs> going to get to ten cents after the debate on Thursday? Yeah, absolutely, he's going to have a great debate, and he's and they're both going to gang up and go straight at Yang. That's true. He's going to get pummeled. He's the front runner, and Yang is not going to be able to handle the heat. Ooh, I'm buying yes and Scott Stringer 100 shares. John, you put the fire back in my belly. I think you should buy more than that. That's not enough. I don't have a lot of money right now because my other markets are not doing so well. Buy 1,000 shares. 1,000 shares. What? David's never bought 1,000 shares of in his life. It's 40 bucks. Oh my gosh, I'm excited. I might I'm going to try to I'm going to try to watch this mayoral debate on Thursday. I'm definitely watching it. Yeah, I just got really excited. Wow. All right, I just I I up my order. I just bought 300 shares, John. I'll see I'll see you on the other side. Oh gosh. I think that's a good bet. Poor Maya Wiley, poor Diane Morales, poor Catherine Garcia. They're not uh, they could pop too. They could pop too. Yeah, that's true. They could. I don't I think Andrew Yang's gonna do well in the debate, is the problem. Like Bloomberg, we knew once the debate happened, we didn't have to worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was horrible. And also de Blasio. I can't believe, I always forget that, that de Blasio ran to be president. God. Also, like, we're talking about the job that de Blasio currently has. Like, there's no, uh-huh. he's not, whenever I just think about the mayoral race, it's like it's an empty seat waiting to be filled. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, it's incredible. It's just incredible. De Blasio, he won twice? Yeah. So he couldn't even run again if he wanted to? Oh, he definitely wants to. <laughs> He's probably like, could we have half terms, actually? <laughs> so first ma- first New York City um, Democratic primary mayoral debate is on Thursday. Let's all watch it. Tune in to New York One. I bought a 1,000 shares. We're all getting on this stringer train. We'll see what happens. John's smiling. I mean, it's not going to work out well for me. Don't worry. It is. It is. It won't. Max pay out $906. Never look at that. Never look at that because that's like looking at the Powerball number on the billboard. It's like that's <laughs> not that's just going to cloud your judgment. He's not going to win though. What if he does? What if he does? You think Scott Stringer is going to win the mayoral election? Ranked choice voting. Oh, that's true. We haven't even talked about ranked choice. Half the debate is just going to be them explaining what ranked choice is. It's, half the debate is them explaining to Andrew Yang what ranked choice voting is. Wow, that sounds so cool. You can vote for more than one person. Oh, that's really cool. If I vote, can I do that too? Will I get ranked choice voting? Testing testing company and then his dopey nonprofit. And I like some of his ideas, like whatever, but it's just like, I don't know, man. What ideas do you like? I like UBI at a national, like I like the idea of just throwing money at poor people. That makes sense to me. Yeah, I love that. Of course, love it. But when he comes out and he's like, what we really need to crack down are food carts. It's like, what? But also, like, we should be throwing money at poor people. I mean, we should—the pandemic should have taught us that when you help people live a life that's not endless stress, they give back to the economy, it's good for the country. At the end of the pandemic, it should not come down to just Andrew Yang being the one who is saying this. (laughs) That is such a wasted opportunity for the pandemic. It should be so many politicians saying we want to give money to poor people that he should—his biggest problem should be, I was the guy who said it first, and now I'm being absorbed in the throngs of all the politicians Well, I think we have to wait—I mean, Biden's approval rating is still pretty high. We have to wait and see how the midterms play out in terms of whether people claim credit or distance themselves from all the COVID relief and the direct money that was sent to Americans. Mm -hmm. 
We have the yeah. American Family Plan, the American Jobs Plan left to go. I mean, we will see if this is a real resetting of what people come to expect from the government. I hope it is. It's not, but it should be. If you're the kind of person that's like, I don't believe principally in handouts or give, helping people, then you the pandemic proved that you don't even have to believe principally in that because it actually just helped the economy. It was good. It was a practical solution. But they're not going to— the mentality part's not going to let anything, like, the results play out. It'll just be what people have stuck in their heads is going to rule out, and it won't be based on anything, any numbers, any statistics. And then you have someone like Andrew Yang who can be like, who, that's why he's seen as a disruptor, because he's just, like, saying it and not afraid of the consequences of it. He has a new way of giving people money. It's like, it's like how Uber is, like, a new way to get a car to move you from point A to point B. So it's disruptive. Right, because Uber is so good for the people. Uber is so worker-friendly. God love them. You know what, John? Have we ever talked about your deal with Elon Musk? No. John has an interesting story about Elon Musk and the world of domains. John, now is the perfect week to share this story. Okay. John Kimball, as many of you know, is a domain name trader. He makes money buying and selling domain names. Four-character domains are very valuable these days. Every single four-character domain has long since been registered. John had a particular interest in a four-character domain name that predated his interest in Elon Musk. He was interested in this four-character domain name because it had a connection to his career in higher education. John then realized that a famous billionaire might also have interest in the self-same four-character domain name as it was one of the ways with which this person could be identified. John wrote to a member of this billionaire's IT team or or lawyer team or something and made them aware of his ownership of this four-character domain and asked if they would be interested in purchasing it. They agreed to purchase the domain for an amount of money that was simultaneously trivial to the billionaire and quite substantial to the domain trader. The transaction proceeded without a hitch, including John signing a non-disclosure agreement to which David Reese is not party. <laughs> Thus ends the story of the domain trader, the billionaire, and the four-character domain. What was the four-character domain? Can't say. S-N-L, three letters. People, people can figure it out with a little research. Did the domain trader and the billionaire talk? No. Did you email the domain trader and the billionaire email? Mm-mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, I have a feeling that the billionaire never even knew about this happening. Don't you have a feeling that the legal team was just like, yeah, whatever. It's five cents. Let's just get it. No, he knew. He knew. He knew it happened. He he wanted it. Oh, interesting. And, he, and, we, and we know the billionaire, when the billionaire wants something, the billionaire gets it. What the billionaire wants, the billionaire gets. I want to add something to when John mentioned Trump's Facebook ban. Mm-hmm. This is interesting. I got an email from somebody way— I mentioned it, but okay. Erasure, erasure. When Starley mentioned Trump's Facebook ban, I got an email from somebody weighing in on it, and it was an email from Pat McCrory. John, does that name mean anything to you? Yeah. That's the former governor of North Carolina and— uh, maybe running for Senate. Oh, he's running for Senate because the letterhead says Pat McCrory, U.S. Senate. Mm -hmm. 
Dear Patriot, Facebook has solidified its ban of President Trump. New paragraph, center justify, all right, all red, and in italics, it says this is not America. When a corporation can wield such immense power over a former president, what will they do to the free speech of everyday citizens like you and me? We must take back the Senate from the radical left, contribute some money. And then you want to talk about pure prose, right? Remember when everyone thought Beto O'Rourke was such a mensch because he wrote that weird essay after he lost the Senate race in Texas, and he was like, I'm folding laundry. That was so weird, yeah. And looking at my seven-inch records from Discord, I just want to say I'm going to go for a jog with my daughter, all that stuff. Listen to Pat, Pat McCrory's like, let me, let me bust out the creative writing MFA here for a minute. He says, I heard about the news about Facebook's ban of President Trump while I was filling up my car with gas. I'm like, okay, that's cool. I'm, I can get it. I can get with that. And then he says this: it cost me two seventy nine a gallon here in North Carolina, and and I read that as he was like bragging, like we've passed this special thing where gas is cheap. It's only two seventy nine because I live near a gas station where it's like four seventy six. So I thought he was going to say it cost me two seventy nine a gallon here in North Carolina. Jealous much, California boy? But instead he says. It cost me two seventy nine a gallon here in North Carolina thanks to the Biden-Harris administration's radical energy policies. I was like, what radical energy policies of what? Giving away f- gas for free? It's <laughs> $3 a gallon. But what I think is interesting is Pat McCrory is, is basically tying his Senate bid to, to, you know, whatever annoys President, annoyances in President Trump's life, right? This is like, friend, I was sitting around feeding my horse some oats and I saw that, I saw that the salad, you know, whatever, what, fuck it. I can't come no, up. No, keep going on okay. that. I want to hear okay. more. <laughs> I, 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 I can get through this. I can get through this. I can get through this. Okay. Here we okay. go. Take two. Take okay. two. Friend, I was- Take two. Right. I, no, I have to, let, let me say it all the way through because I have to build. It's, it's storytelling. Okay. Friend, I was filling up my horse with oats when I saw the news about President Trump's, oh, God. What's something else that's annoyed President Trump like the Facebook thing that actually doesn't really have any relevance to anyone voting for Senate? He was annoyed he was annoyed that uh, that the Kentucky Derby horse had a banned substance Got in it. Friend, I was filling up my horse with oats when I heard about another horse. The Kentucky Derby winner tested positive for banned substances, another victim of cancel culture. How's that? Did John, did he, was he really annoyed or did you just, was that a punch up? No, no, he was really annoyed. The, o- the owner of the horse. <laughs> he said the country is going to, to hell. And um, yeah, he used the horse being drugged as His horse is a example. fucking drug addict and he blamed it on cancel culture. Grow up. He called the horse a junkie. <laughs> no, he, he did. He did? He, he did. He called the horse a junkie. I can't tell if John's being serious right now, but what honestly, seriously happened, Star? Don't look at John. I, I'm dead serious. The owner of the horse that won the Kentucky Derby went on TV and complained. His horse tested positive for steroids, basically, and the guy blamed cancel culture. How? He said, this is cancel culture out of control. The country's gone to shit. Don't criticize my horse for taking drugs, basically. But it's not, the horse isn't, the horse wasn't wasn't driven to drugs because of cancel culture. No, 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 no. It wasn't that. It wasn't like, right. We shouldn't be, can, the cancel culture has got, is what is taking down this horse that turned out to be on drugs. Yeah, exactly. But he he's actually come out today. Hey, guys, breaking news. Mm-hmm. The owner of the horse <laughs> has come out with more information. <laughs> and he says that the horse was the victim 
of a drunk guy at a wedding, a groom who peed in the horse's stable and had been drinking cough syrup and the horse ate the hay. (laughs) Are you really? (laughs) Yes, everything I'm telling you about Trump, about the horse eating the drunk groom's cough syrup is true. First of all, how is cough syrup going to help you win the Kentucky Derby? It's going to slow you down and make you lethargic. Because the horse was in pain, and so he took a substance that made him feel less pain, so he was more likely to run faster because the horse was injured. Same as the mumble rappers do. But I thought it was the pee from the guy. Yeah, the guy peed on the hay. Yeah, he ate the pee. The horse ate the urine-soaked hay, which had been infused with cough syrup. So now he has a banned substance. But in reality, they gave the horse this banned substance in order for him to feel less pain so he would run faster. You know, I mean, it's the equivalent of, you know, if you're going to run a race and you have a really hurt knee, you take some pain medication. But don't we want him not to be in pain? Aren't we on the side of that? Yes, but you don't want you don't want an injured horse to be running at all. Oh, yeah, I don't like that. But what if what if it's running for my entertainment and for my pleasure? Well, that's probably what that guy would say. Can I be against all of it? No, you have to pick a side. But this guy has he's been accused of of drugging like 28 different horses. Yeah, that's horses, the other thing. So. It's so it <laughs> it's like 29 groomsmen drinking 29 <laughs> yeah. bottles of cough syrup, peeing in 29 different bales of hay. I don't think it was a groomsman every time. It just was this time. The groom or the groomsman? It was the groom, he said. Was he taking the cough syrup recreationally or because he had a cough? Didn't say. Why was he getting married? He was drinking Robitussin on his wedding day? Maybe he was sick. But it's a bummer to be sick on your wedding day. It's like rain on your wedding day. Alanis Morissette, ironic. Baffert says one test issue was created by a groom urinating in the stall after the groom had been taking cough medicine. Horse ate some of the hay. Why was the groom in the stall? I don't know, man. It's Kentucky. He's probably at a wedding and the bathroom's too far away. And he's you not know, at he's... a wedding. He was the groom. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me finish the story. He's at the wedding. The bathrooms are in the big house, but his frat brothers have brought him into the stall to do a couple lines for the old time's sake. And he doesn't want to get caught doing it in the main house. So they go into the horse stall like it's the good old days, and then they do the lines, and he's like, oh, man, I got to pee. I got to pee on this hay, man. I'm going to pee on this hay. Wait, so in that version, the groomsmen went to do lines of, like, Coke. Yeah, they went into the stall. I got my. I just got to get them in that stall, get them in that horse stable. I'm like, why is this guy on the most important day of his life hanging out with a horse in a fucking stable? So then I'm thinking illicit bad boy stuff. It's got to be his old frat brothers having fun. He, this is what happened. Okay, you really want to know what really happened? I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. I'm, okay. I'll tell you. He's getting married. It's the biggest day of his life. He's got, a, he's got this fucking itch in his throat. His wife is like, damn it, Tony, if you mess up these vows with that infernal cough, I'll, why, why we'll be off to a bad start in this in this marriage. He's like, it's fine. I'm going to take some Robitussin. Don't worry about it. Then his, then the, the, the goes off without a hitch. He's feeling great. His throat is coated. He's a little bit buzzed. He said his vows beautifully. Now we're at the reception. His brothers come up to him. Hey, man, time to hit the stables. He's like, guys, you know I can't do that. I promised I wouldn't do it. He's like, come on, just come on down to the stables with us. We're just going to do a bump. He's like, all right, but I'm already on cough syrup. I don't know about the, if they'll interact. They're like, don't worry, just come with us. This is for old time's sake. Kappa, kappa, delta, ho. Then they all do lines and they hand the Bon Jovi mirror to him that they won at the Kentucky State Fair 30 years ago. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to (laughs) pass. 
I'm just going to stick on my cough syrup, but it, uh, but you guys are my bros. I love you. We've always had fun. I'll always remember our fun days and nights at that at that crazy frat house. And I'm so happy that we're all millionaires now because our dads are rich and we all work in finance and real estate. They all leave the stable. The groom's like, hold on, I'll be right with you. I just got to drain the snake or whatever they say. And then he pees in the bale of hay. And that's why, although he was led to the stable with the <laughs> promise of cocaine, the horse did not test positive for cocaine because at the last minute, Tony the groom decided, I'm just going to stick with the cough syrup. I don't want to mix my uppers and my downers. And I'm just going to pee in this bale of hay. And then he pees and then the horse is like, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat some hay. And then runs the Kentucky Derby the next day. Can you prove that that did not happen? I cannot prove that did not happen. No, you can't. And that's why the horse is innocent. Okay, so now I can finally do my joke. Okay. 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 Pat McCrory. I just got an e- Hey, guys, I just got this email from Pat McCrory. Dear friend, I was filling up my horse with oats when I saw a story that the winner of the Kentucky Derby's horse has fallen victim to cancel culture, all because they tested positive for a banned substance after winning the race because a groom had taken cough syrup on the day of his wedding so as to not have a scratchy voice as he said his vows, mere hours before his former frat brothers invited him down to the horsey stable for a good old-fashioned nostalgic cocaine party. Even though the groom eventually denied or refused the cocaine, his brothers partook heavily, and before returning to the party with his dear old friends, he urinated on a bale of hay. Cancel culture is out of control. Help me take back the Senate. Boom! Print it. Done. Lorne Michaels, eat my shorts. <laughs> Saturday night, these nuts. That's all I have to say about that. Not going to get a gig that way. Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell. With help from Houston Snyder and Kat Iosa. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. That will get you access to our previous Patreon episodes, including our The Pedal Movie live commentary track. Send your election prediction questions and New York City debate feedback to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. You want to bet on the New York City mayoral election or any of the other wonderful elections coming up? Go to Predict It and type the following website URL into your browser. Predictit.org slash promo slash EPM20, and you'll get up to $20 in matching funds to invest. As always, please rate and review us on iTunes and all the um, podcast reviewing platforms that enrich our lives and bring us closer together. We did it. That was another episode. I was one of the hosts, David, and now I'm going to say goodbye to Starly. Goodbye, Starly. Bye. Say goodbye to John. Goodbye, John. Bye. And we'll say goodbye to all of you. Stay safe and um, keep reaching for the stars. The end. The end. end.